The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Welcome to to Living Well. This is Ann Beal. I am um, a little emotional today. We've had a lot going on in Texas. I don't know how many people have heard about all the tornadoes that hit here. Um, So we decided, Dr. Jim Slaughter's joining me, we decided that today we wanted to talk about for the new year just a way for people to handle when traumatic situations strike. And so we have titled this show, Cleaning Up the Emotional Debris from a Tornado. Now, the interesting thing is tornadoes leave much more in their wake than physical destruction. They leave personal trauma and psychological turmoil. In addition to those who are directly hit, the devastation of a tornado is an apt metaphor for all those tornadoes of life that drop out of the blue and change your life in a moment. One day you're on top of the world, and the next day the world's on top of you. We wanted to give you 10 choices, skills that lead you to recovery, strength, and a greater sense of purpose when traumatic situations strike, when disasters hit. Because most people worry about things that never happen. And the things that happen are the things we never expect. And so those disasters and turmoil in life make you feel powerless and you eventually learn a powerful secret. You do have life-altering choices in how you respond, and that's what we want to let you know, the 10 choices that make or break you so that you can understand what to do and what not to do so when you're stuck in the tornadoes of life and you're trying to recover, you make the best choices. And, you know, the tornadoes here wiped out most of Rowlett, and, well, Rowlett a, a small town, and Garland, and people are cleaning up the debris. And so as they dig out from under the rubble of the tornado outbreak here, and many thousands were injured, many were going home from their families on Christmas, the day after Christmas, many were on the highway and just got blown off the highway. So a lot of people here are saying, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. This wasn't supposed to happen to me. Um, Dr. Bev Smallwood is a specialist in dealing with tragedies, disasters that strike. Um, And she actually has a book called This Wasn't Supposed to Happen to Me. Ten make or break choices when life steals your dreams and rocks your world. She sheds light on the emotional side of this tragedy um, and how you recover from the emotional debris. 
when uh, the rug gets pulled out from under you and you get hit. And for it to happen at Christmas time here has been very devastating for the area. Um, it's bad enough when it happens normally, but that's not what's supposed to happen at Christmas. And it's definitely not supposed to happen when you're out shopping for presents, on the day after the Christmas, the big sales, when people are so excited because they have their Christmas money, and uh, they've had a wonderful time, and they're just on their way home to recover. So we want you to think about these people here, if you can, raise them up in prayer, and we want to just give you some ideas to help them as well, if your heart moves you with that. So... That's a long intro. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dr. Slaughter. <clears throat> Thank you, and It's always good to be here with you and uh, talking about these important things. And, you know, I, I don't think uh, life ever becomes quite so real as it does when uh, tragedy strikes and, um, and the things that you've been discussing happen to us. Uh, and um, that's happened here uh, just in the last few days with the, uh, the tornadoes that hit us. And... Um, you know, it, it, it becomes real when you see the the total devastation on news broadcasts and things like that where you can actually see this, uh, you know, what's happened. Uh, I-beams wrapped curlicue around trees and nobody knows where the beam came from and things like that. And you think, oh, my goodness, how, how could that possibly happen? Um, and... Uh, and that's in a town you used to live in. Yeah, I lived there. <laughs> and your brother lived there. I did, yeah. We lived there. And the, the, the tornado, actually, uh, the, the whole the swath uh, cut by the the tornadoes, it was more than one that, that came through there, uh, just cut right, right across the very edge of the area where we lived. And so, you know, when, when things like this happen, you realize that um, life really is uncertain. And you have to make some decisions ahead of time, you know, going forward from here. And uh, on the verge of the new year is a good time to do that. Um, the thing is, you you know, it's important for listeners, I think, and, and for us as well, to think about these choices that we're going to be talking about now, uh, rather than trying to remember what some of them are when, when things happen that are, that are tragic. And so uh, we, we want to give uh, people an opportunity going into the new year to, to, to know some, uh, some ways of handling uh, the hard things about life better in this new year so they can be happier and, and, and live better. Well, and disaster does strike for everyone, um, some more than others. And I was thinking about that early this morning, how we've been through a lot of things. I've been through a lot of things. You've been through a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But we've never been through that. Never. No. <clears throat> and so really praying for the people today. There's so many people that are having to live with friends and family today um, that are searching through debris for their stuff. Um, there was a two-day-old baby that was killed um, mm -hmm. in a house, and the parents lived. And so I think I can't even imagine that. Um, people are in shelters. People, you know, the, the kind of tough thing was the tornadoes hit the day after Christmas, and then the snow came that, next, that night. Mm -hmm. And so the snow and the sleet and the rain, <laughs> and so it was just like kind of a, a double whammy in that they don't, you know, their homes had big holes in them or half a home and everything's getting snowed and rained on. Yeah, it and was, it was very it was cold. bleak, very bleak. bleak. Yeah. Yes, bleak. And so um, we just wanted to go through these really good things to think about to be successful. Um even though you see the physical damage of all the things that have happened with tornadoes, you know, and there's other things, tsunamis, um, hurricanes, anything like that, um, 
There's also things that just knock you down that come out of nowhere that are big. And so we want you to know. So there are actually 10 things that are very important, the choices to make. And if you want to know more about this, Bev Smallwood's book is actually out of print now, I think. But you can find details about it. Um, Anyway, it's called when, you know, this wasn't supposed to happen to me, which is a great title. It's a great title for thinking about, and a lot of people say that, you know, and coming down to anything, marital strife, divorce, affairs, anything like that, when you get hit by that. So, um, yeah, I've heard people say, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for that. (laughs) And it's just just another way of saying this wasn't supposed to happen to me. And, And there's, I suspect there's not a person on earth who doesn't, think that at one time or another because of things that happen. So one of the first things we want to talk about is um, when it happens, you are in shock. You're in shock. And so you do feel a sense of denial, like you can't believe it happened. You know, and you can, people say that when they end up at someone else's house um, or shelter or something like that, um, definitely if it's a friend's house or a family's house, there's a part of you that almost feels like it didn't really happen. Um, and that is natural. What's not natural is to stay there and that it didn't really happen or avoiding it. Um, so one of the most important things about health is, you know, to think about this. So Dr. Slaughter, I have a question for you, Jim. True or false? What you don't know can't hurt you. Wow, that's very false. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I would turn it around. I'd say what you don't know is what's going to hurt you the most. Yeah. Uh, uh, unawareness is, is, is a huge enemy uh, of, uh, of all of us. And uh, <clears throat> I tell uh, clients, people who come to me for help with things like this, how important awareness is. Awareness is the first step towards health. It's the first step towards redemption. It's the first step towards getting better and, and living well. And um, so what I, <clears throat> excuse me, what I don't know will hurt me. What I do know is going to help me. Yes, what you do know. How about if you know it? Um, but you don't want to deal with it, so you just pretend it doesn't exist. Well, you can hide in a hole. You can be uh, be an ostrich. Uh, you can try to go to a cave, and um, but the problem is uh, w- what you're doing is uh, you're not only putting it off, you're going to have to deal with reality sooner or later. But the, the longer we put it off, <clears throat> put off dealing with reality and, and, and trying to, to do something to, um, to get better, uh, the worse it gets. And so we sort of, as we dig a hole, we, we are also are creating uh, more problems well, by, by doing that. And I think that um, John Maxwell calls that um, having a loss and then creating more losses from that loss. Well, that's exactly right. He's right about that. That's what we do when we wait to act. Or deny. And, or, but I think that when you do that, it's usually something really big and overwhelming um, I mean, there are people that do it with smaller things, but most people, it's things that are just overwhelming. And I would think this would be something that would be just so overwhelming. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah. Um, and so you feel like you, you know, there's part of you that doesn't feel like you have the skills to deal with it. So you just don't think about it. Yeah. Try, yeah. try not to think about it. Well, also, and to be fair, uh, in, in this situation, there is such a, uh, uh, an enormous emotional impact that you feel like you've been flattened and you don't know how to get up. 
you know, and so the, there, there is the reality of that. I mean, it's a huge hit. It's like being run over by a truck or whatever. And, and, um, and yet, in order to, to be okay and, and even to help people around us who are struggling, we, it's important for us to move from the denial stage and to, to a more of a reality stage, reality. knowing what to do about that. I think reality sometimes seems too overwhelming, right? Oh, yeah. But one of the most important things to be successful in um, recovering mm -hmm. is to face reality. And there are people that face reality and take action. I mean, they just immediately do that. That's just their personality type, you know. And, and so if you struggle with that, if you struggle with facing the reality of it and taking action, we just want to encourage you that it is one of the most important things to accept what happened and make goals to move forward. And that's what, when we, you know, all the interviews of people who have been successful through this, they said that was the first step to just face it, accept it. Okay, this has happened. Um, and, and what do I do now? So what we find is there's four different levels of denial when people, they don't, you don't either just deny or not deny. I mean, I wish it was that simple. There are people that totally deny <laughs> that there's a problem, right? And I, you know, that's not most people, but there are people that do that. Um, there are others that acknowledge it, but they call it little. They like minimize it. You know, it's, you know, um, and they kind of say what cliche things. It's not a big deal. This is small. You know, we'll get through it. Um, this is not small. <laughs> right. This is not small. Um, this is, uh, and so they have trouble just admitting that it's a big problem, big problem, mm -hmm. whether it be tornadoes or it be, you know, a severe addiction or something like that. You know, they just don't want to face it. Um, others deny that change is possible. Like, why bother? It's not going to help. Why live like that? Let's just deal with it. Let's just accept it and um, not do anything really about it because, you know, there's really no reason because there's not a possibility it'll change. There's no hope there. Right. So others admit there's a problem and say that it needs to be addressed and even know some possible ways to deal with it and address it, but they delay they just say they they don't feel that urgency. They just they're they're busy. Like when I'm not busy, when I you know have the time, when I you know so they put it off. Mm -hmm. And so those are the four ways that denial is so destructive. And so not everyone's the same. People do it differently. It looks differently. And so um, the urgency is often that feeling of urgency is what people in, that are using denial to cope don't have. And some people have described it as um, living in denial is like having a weak or dead battery in your smoke alarm. Hmm. Yeah, it would be like that, I think. Because the smoke alarm is a warning. It's supposed to get you to act and mm -hmm. run out of the house. <laughs> okay, right. Right. Run yeah. out of the house. And so it just is not loud enough so you don't take it seriously. You just ignore it. And it needs to be loud enough to hurt your ears, right? Yeah, to right. make you either want to get away from it, get out of the house or something like that. And so um, that's so important. So my question, I guess, for you out there is what are you pretending not to know? Mm. What are you avoiding not to face? 
Yeah, that's a that's a good question to ask. And um, you know, for uh, going back to what you said earlier, uh, we have been hit here by real. Uh, tornadoes, serious uh, weather that has been uh, devastating and destruction or dest destroying. But um, you know, tornado becomes a, a figure of other kinds of tragedy, and so everyone faces a tornado in some sense at, at one time or another. And so that question is good to ask right now. You know, what's going on with me? Tornadoes in life are things that destroy, cause destruction. Mm -hmm. They don't always kill. And um, most people are not killed in tornadoes. Most people are injured or traumatized or they lose so much, but it doesn't kill them. Yeah, enormous loss. I mean, they yeah. may wish they were dead in some ways, you know, mm -hmm. enormous loss, yeah. And so I just wanted to let you know that Jesus tells us, you will know the truth and it will set you free. It's the truth that sets you free. And so the people who are most productive and growing in their lives through, you know, after these tornadoes in their life are aware and they act. Right. And I wanted to say, too, that, you know, there's a there's a phrase that's going around these days that you don't particularly like. And it's, <laughs> it is oh, no. what it is. Okay? Oh, it is and, what it is. And, uh, and, and there's the, the positive side of that phrase, I think, is that it does kind of highlight reality. I, I think people who use that phrase are, are trying to say, okay, the reality is this is what's happening now. And so that's a positive side of that phrase. Uh, there's a negative, but, but the positive thing is the awareness that you mentioned. Awareness. I am aware. It's bad. I need to act. Uh, and, and that's where we begin to, to see some coming up out of the pit. So act. We want you to act. To be aware is not being a victim. Right. You know, it's not letting life beat you. It's so you can beat it. And, um, you know, Beth Smallwood, um, Dr. Smallwood, she, she does say that statement, one day you're on top of the world, mm -hmm. and the next day the world's on top of you. It's what it feels like. Yep. And, and the world being on top of you, yes, you have been victimized, but it doesn't make you a victim. I mean, yes, you're a victim at the moment. And so that's step two, the choice, the second choice is to, um, instead of being, a, you know, a victimhood or victim mind, you know, stay victim, mm -hmm. you become responsible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good point. Good point. So in, um, instead of the first one, which is instead of being in denial, you face reality and you act. The second one is victimhood versus responsibility. Right. Um, there's a there, there's kind of a victim mentality that we can get into that uh, this has happened to me. Woe is me. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh my goodness, you know. Um, but but that's not true. And uh, you know, moving from a, a the the idea, the mentality, the mindset of being a victim into uh, someone who's responsive and responsible is a hugely important part of this picture. I think that maybe I did that for a while. You know, I I um, had many years of my life where I was just in shock, right? And so you don't, it's not necessarily that I was complaining and saying, oh, woe is me, woe is me. <laughs> you, know, um, uh, you know, chronically having pity parties right. or, uh, but I think that I got stuck. Um just in shock that just, and I think 
um, when people describe, vict- you know, playing the victim or being, oh, my gosh, please just do something. I think that for me, from my tragedy, I just um, kind of dug my heels in, sunk into a comfortable cave, maybe, mm-hmm. and just existed there and didn't do all the things I was doing before speaking and traveling and just incredible TV and radio and all that. I just kind of sunk in. And I didn't plan on doing that as long as I did. But I just kind of stopped my life for a while. And so what I when I read about this, um, always victims always looking for someone else to blame, always having a complaint, but never any real solutions. You know, I, I, I didn't complain, but I didn't really have any solutions because from what I was going through, I didn't have anyone who could really help me with that. And so I did get stuck. And so I really encourage you out there not to become a chronic victim. Um, and, and you don't have to look like a victim. I looked very functional to most people, you mm-hmm. know. Um, people would never have said that about me, but what they didn't right. know was what I stopped doing. Mm-hmm. They didn't know that my life just came to a stop. Yeah, good point. You know, right at 40, everything just um, reeled everything in and just started going day to day. Um, but when you do that and you don't come out of that, years just fly by. And so um, the alternative to victimhood is to take responsibility about what you can do where you are. And I I looked up the definition of responsibility, and there's so many definitions. Um, <laughs> but basically, this is what it is. Doing all you can with all you have where you are right now. I knew you were going to say that, actually. And really? I, I did, I did, because <clears throat> I think that's exactly right. And I think one of the reasons that we have a tendency to, to freeze you know, we Freeze. have this paralysis of analysis thing going on, or we don't want to move, or we're afraid to move, or whatever. Is that often we do not have, um, we don't we don't know what our resources are. We don't know who to turn to. To we don't know what uh, what what how much money it's going to take to fix something. Uh, if it's really devastating, we really have no idea. You know how we're going to handle that. And uh, I, I think everybody's been there at one time or another. Uh, I, I think a part of this also, and is. Uh, is the idea of options. Um, there was a time when I, I honestly, I was so stuck, just like you. I, I didn't realize that there were options that I had. I kind of uh, had sort of built a mindset that I would just keep going uh, down the same path and there was only this this kind of tunnel that I could go down and uh, I, I had no um, recourse but to follow it out to its very end. I had no idea you know, uh, about other things that were available to me. And so um, I, I just kind of was uh, had blinders on. And so what I've realized is that uh, I've got options. There are resources. And so one of the first things that, I, that we do, you know, is it, to get out of this victim mentality is to realize, okay, there are resources out there that I can use. There are options that I have before me that I may not see yet, but they can, I can take them and they can be good for me and they can help set new direction for me. I, I know that once I found people who had not just gone through what I'd gone through, because there were lots of people like that, but people that really had the solutions that gave me hope that they could fix it, that, you know, that, that they were true uh, roadmaps to health. Oh, yeah. Step right. by step. Mm-hmm. You know, when they started getting that, and I started seeing that and taking part in that, it was amazing, my recovery. 
And so, of course, I think sometimes, did they not have that? Did I just not take action quick enough? Whatever. Um, but basically, I don't want pain to define you. Um, I don't. I don't want you to define yourself by to be defined by your misfortune. Right. Right. That okay. You everything was wiped out in a tornado, or you know, um, your husband, you know, hired escorts and fifty or whatever, and you know, um, left you. Okay. You don't want to be defined by your misfortunes. Pain comes, and but it's it, you have pain and you have misfortune, but that is not all of you. You have a lot of successes. And so you can bounce back and recover. And so some, lots of people have done that. And, you know, Beyonce, if you bring it to today, I mean, people know who Beyonce is. And when she, you know, she was, they probably don't either know this or remember this, that um, she was very humiliated when she tried out, when she competed in Star Search, that um, I think she was like nine or 11, and her and her group, the girls, mm-hmm. um, didn't win, um, didn't do very well. So, you know, they said she was very humiliated, um, and she thought she and was told that they weren't going to go anywhere. So that's the humiliation part. Thomas Edison was told he was, <laughs> it always cracks me up, too stupid. I mean, in school, they told him he was too stupid to really amount to anything, um, didn't really even need to finish school. Uh, we, we know that's not true. Um, well, J.K. Rowling, she wrote the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. She was told she wasn't a good writer. <laughs> and so when you think of the things that happened, I mean, that was her dream, and it was ripped out from under her, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. And so she picked herself back up along the way, got more skills, you know, and didn't stop. Um, Beyonce didn't let her. Let, she didn't stop, you know, and her family right. didn't stop. And, but so many people, when they have that kind of rejection, stop. And I remember that I I went on KERA for, to do a fund. You know, one of my friends asked me to come and do the fundraiser right, on right. TV um, because they someone didn't show, and God, I just said, "Sure, no problem." Like I do. Mm-hmm. It was the most embarrassing thing. They didn't have a script. You know, I didn't know how to use the teleprompter yet, and the words moved. <laughs> and so everyone I knew was watching. And I totally, it was just, you know, I was walking off stage to get Wishbone, the stuffed animals, walking off the, not stage, but walking out of my marks. So I didn't know marking very well, you know. Um, and, and they were so sweet to me. And they taught me after that. But everyone saw that because yeah. I made the dumb mistake of telling everyone. My kids' class was watching that. My kids, like Katie's, or Ashley's kindergarten class, I don't remember what it was, but they all saw it. Yeah, let me, I, I saw it. Oh, you saw it. <laughs> and, and, and I felt so bad for you okay. because I kind of knew what was going on. I, I knew uh, what, what a helpless feeling it could be to be in your situation, and yet you did so well with what you had to work with. And I want to say this, and that is that you are the kind of person, and as long as I've known you, you've been this way. Uh, you do not let stuff like that stop you. But that I did. Just, well, it didn't seem like it I, did. It was you like, just kept going. No, I don't mean on the program. I just mean after that. Do yeah, you, I did. You I like it. Did? Yeah, it was like 30 years ago or 25 years ago or something. I stopped. I stopped. Okay. I stopped at that point with all the acting and, you know, my agent kept trying to give me stuff. And I just, and that, that was just a side thing. I didn't even get paid for that. I mean, I had all these shows and you know, things I had done and got paid quite a bit for, right? But that one was just like out of the blue for a friend. But it knocked me back because I felt so humiliated. I thought, okay, I can't do this. I don't Mm -hmm. know how to read a prompt teleprompter. 
And so it wasn't until someone came along and was like, no, 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 you can learn the teleprompter and you, know, you can do this. But um, so there are things like that. When I think about Beyonce, a lot of those people don't have people come along and pick them up and say, wait, this is not hard. You can learn teleprompter and you can learn this and the marks and, you know, you're so good. You can't stop. And so um, there are things that knock us down and humiliation, embarrassment, but tragedy, mm-hmm. you know, tragedy that just rips your heart out like what I went through um, and you freeze. But don't stay a victim. You know, you have been victimized. You were a victim at that moment, but you can become uh, a conqueror. Right. And right. so these people overcame. I mean, you look at Thomas Edison. I mean, oh, my gosh. People, he, you know, I mean, he showed them. But more than anything, he um, became a conqueror mm-hmm. and successful. And that's what we want for you. So I'm just going to, you know, suggest that you, though you may have been victimized, you refuse to actually become a victim wallowing in self-pity. And self-pity is kind of a, a cruel word, I think, in that it just isn't the greatest word. I think what you can do is wallow in your pain. Um, I don't really, I don't really get that many people that just stay there. Woe is me. It's been so hard for me. I can't, you know, on and on and on. I probably in the longest I've been doing this, I have had like maybe one or two people. I don't think most people do that. What they do is they just can't. They just kind of give up. Yeah, and they, uh, you know, often people become their 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 behavior tends to change uh, sometimes, and they become more cautious. They're not willing to take risk. Uh, they hide in their, like you mentioned, the, the cave, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it, it, there's such a tendency to uh, to do that, uh, and we have to be careful about that, not right. do that. And so we get into a negative mindset where we're basically telling ourselves negative prophecies that can come true, rather than thinking of it in terms of positive outcome. And yeah. so shifting a mindset is important with that. So just say to yourself, though I had no control over what happened to me, I choose to exercise control over my thoughts and actions. And I focus on the, I'll focus on the resources I have and the actions I could take. And I take each small step that leads to, re- to the rebuilding of my life. And by taking action, you're being responsible. Yeah, absolutely. So right there, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we have a lot to do to get through all these. And so stay right here, and we'll see you back here at Living Well. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Life Solutions Coaching and Counseling in Fort Worth, Texas is a full-service wellness clinic providing individual, group, and family counseling, one-on-one coaching for life and wellness, and naturopathic treatments of medical massage therapy combined with essential oils to ensure you reach your health and wellness goals. Sessions are available in person or by phone. Get started on your new life today. Just call 817-232-1363 or go to lifesolutionscoachingandcounseling.com or email them at lifesolutions.com cc at yahoo.com we're all living in the moment but you never know when life is going to take a unique turn it doesn't have to be a challenge but perhaps more of a detour to get where we need to be on the sky's the limit host karen levitt knows that experience having faced it herself learn about her journey from a life-changing event to where she is now her guests are amazing people who are living these experiences and overcoming obstacles Learn from their stories every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time 
on Voice America Empowerment. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Ann Beal, and I have Dr. Jim Slaughter here. And we are talking about the tornadoes that struck here in Texas around us that wiped out homes, killed people, injured tons. And it's so close to home, we can see the devastation everywhere. Um, And so we wanted to help more um, and keep helping. And so one of the ways that we wanted to do this was help people who had tornadoes in life and disaster struck them, no matter what it is. Out of nowhere, you've just had the carpet just ripped out from under you. And um, Dr. Bev Smallwood's book, that wasn't supposed to happen to me. Yeah. That wasn't supposed to happen to me. And we've all said that at some time in life. And so we are going through the 10 make or break choices. There are people who are listening right now who are going through something like this. Right. Now, it may not have been a real tornado like this. It might have destroyed a house, but it, it, it's destructive. And they feel like, oh, my, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I don't know where to go from here. And so these things are very, very important for people out there right now. It's important for me. It's important for you. You know, and our friend, it, it, it's just how to live life well, which is what we're talking about. So the 10 choices that make it, that make you survive and recover with mm-hmm. strength and purpose. Um, and so we went through the first one, which is denial versus reality. And so we said face reality, take action. Um, two is victimhood versus responsibility. And we went through that in the last segment as well, um, that you have been victimized, but you don't want to stay a victim. By um, choosing not to be a victim, using and seeking out the resources, taking action, finding the things to do, and moving forward is being responsible. Um, responsible for your own future, responsible for what happens to you, Ref- responsible for how this turns out. Not leaving it up to other people, right. not waiting and just saying, no one's helped me, not blaming, not sulking, not um, criticizing, but, but reaching out and helping. And I, I know that right now there are people who um, are out helping find things in houses. They're going through houses. They're helping people. They're taking in people. They're providing food and shelter. Um, even people who, I mean, the, right after it happened, in Rowlett was where, you know, Dr. Slaughter had lived and his brother and family. Um, the, the actual victims were immediately after they came out of their homes and dug out, I guess you could say, they started helping find other people going into the other, trying to look through debris. They became like the first responders right there helping. Um, and so instead of getting caught up in what's happened to them right then, they became first responders and rescuers and helpers. They became a resource of their own you right. know, to other people. And so we look for resources, and, and, and we can become human resources to help people dig out of their rubble. 
And, uh, you know, you and I both know in our field, it's well known that uh, one of the most healthy things to help people recover from uh, a serious tragedy of any kind is to have them begin helping other people. Well, and it is interesting that this, you know, disasters bring people together. Absolutely. And there are people helping. They've had 1,800 volunteers sign up since uh, Monday, um, and today's Wednesday. And so that is incredible. And those people are already being signed ways to help. And so they'll get much, much more. Um, And so one of the things, number three, is why versus how. Yeah, and, you know, why is a... um why is a such a negative question? If it, why is a bad question? How and what are good questions? Why leads to negative thinking? How and what lead to positive thinking? Why I, lets us just just kind of sit and simmer in our own stuff? I think it's human to. Uh, I think it's very natural to go to why. It is, and that is a. There's time for that to sulk, okay, and be like, what, mm-hmm. why? And I, but I do think I stayed there too long, mm-hmm. and I had it out with God, and had it out with God, and had it out with God, and had it out with God. Like, why, 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 why wouldn't you have protected me? Why would you have let this happen? On and on and on. Um, and so there are certainly times to ask why. Um, there's some good uses for this, you know, so that you can prepare better next time. But it, when it comes to a tornado, I mean, that is not anything you had control over. And most of the time, disaster strikes, because and we didn't have any control over it. Um, and so, you know, my suggestion is have it out with God about it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't hold the emotions in. We don't want you to do that. It's a very unhealthy thing to do as far as it makes you sick. And one of the best things you can do is let it out. Mm-hmm. Write it out. Scream it out. Dance it out. Do whatever you have to do to get it out. You want to get your emotions out. And that's what keeps you from staying there. You right. Know, and, and just continuing to experience the misery of it. And I think that, you know, the, the I don't know, so many people call it different things. Freud called it the ego. And, you know, s- certain psychologists call it the child brain. False we self. call it the false self. But mm-hmm. it's a part of the brain that just tells you, and it's not true, but it just makes you kind of believe that if you can find out all the reasons why and get all the answers, then you can protect yourself from this ever happening again. Right, right. And um, I don't think that no matter what you do, you can protect yourself from never being in a tornado. You know, it's, but what you can do is, and this is the how, you can take action to protect yourself in the future. But you do that by the how, not the why. Um, the why is just that person or that thing that victimized you at the time. And just figuring out why they did it doesn't make it so that no one else does it or nothing else happens to you. And so what most everyone as a professional in this field would say in coaching or counseling, and definitely the providers here at Life Solutions Coaching and Counseling, we believe that why is a distraction. It -hmm. distracts you from the task at hand. So you don't want to stay there too long because then you're just distracted in the bulk, in the bulk of everything. Yeah. A better question, a better question is how can you take what happened and turn it into something good? How is practical action oriented things that gets you moving? Okay. So how? That's a better question. Don't get stuck in why. So yeah, yeah. Um, now, now, what's the next step? Now what? You know, now what, what? what do I do to begin moving and, and acting on this? Uh, yeah. And so, it, you know, the bigger the tragedy, the harder it is. So one of the things I just suggest, set a small goal for today 
and a bigger goal for the future. Uh, take small steps and move forward. I mean, if you can take big steps, great. Okay. Um, so the commitment I would suggest is choose to move into action by asking how. Um, I can't rewrite history. That is not natural. It can't happen. So, unfortunately, I wish we could. Um, how far would we go back? <laughs> I will fill my day with activities that that inch me along or jump me along my journey to recovery. And I'll put the process of my life back together. Right. Right? Putting your life back together. And so that's the why versus how. Do you have anything else about that, Dr. Slot? No, I think that's the uh, the important thing is to, to, you know, and the important thing is not to stay in the why, not but to, to move to the how and the what. Yeah. So the fourth one is doubt versus faith. There's no way that this wouldn't cause you to doubt. If, if you're a religious person, you would doubt and, and, and you know, and I think everyone is a religious person. Even if they're an atheist or an agnostic, they're choosing a faith. They're choosing a belief system mm-hmm. um, of how everything was created and how they're supposed to live and all that kind of stuff. And so, anytime there's a, a disaster, it, you doubt it. You doubt what you believe. Um, it questions um, when things happen that we don't understand. It just I don't know it rocks our faith. Sure, it can do that for sure. So. Doubt. There is a moment for that. There's time for that to doubt it. What What's interesting is if you have a strong faith, you get stronger. If you have a weak faith, you get weaker. So if you if you have a weak faith, your faith gets weaker. Yeah. I, another thing too to remember, I think about about doubt and anger towards God um, is that. Um, at least the God of the Scriptures, the God of the Bible, you know, is uh, he is not gonna he, he's not gonna um, come down on you or be critical or, or condemning because you doubt him. Uh, he's gonna be accepting. Uh, what God does invite us to do is to talk to him about it and uh, to express our emotions, even if they're right. dark, you know, to him. And God has a, he, he has a way of bringing a a calmness to us when we do that. And uh, we end up moving through that and uh, our faith becoming even stronger than it was before. But there's a connection with God that's very important about that to make that happen. Well, I think it's a faulty belief system, really. And and people don't really think it through as being faulty beliefs. But, um, you know, Rabbi Kushner in his book, uh, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Yeah, yeah talks about that. Mm. Um, so the faulty belief system is, what did I do to deserve this, right? Which mm-hmm, would say mm-hmm. that if something bad happens to me, I must have been bad. Right. And if something good happens to me, which people don't ever think of this, if something good happens to me, I must have been good. <laughs> right. But that is not mm. at all how the world works at all. No, no. And so it's a faulty belief system that that we it gives us an oh I see this so much especially I mean people who don't believe anything they say that they're atheist or whatever their belief system is on themselves they believe if I do this this will work if I'm good this will happen if I'm moral then people should this should that should that um, and so really it's a self you I mean you're relying on yourself really. Um, people who have faith in other things rely on other things or mm-hmm. higher power. And so, but the world does not work that if something bad happens to you, you must have been bad. And that was what the, the book of Job in the Bible was all about. You know, tragedy struck him and all his friends were like, wow, you must have really been bad. Oh my gosh, you must be sinning, blah, blah, blah. None of that was true. Right. And so it's a, you know, it's a, in a lot of ways, a 
terrible story <laughs> about <laughs> yeah. Job. It can get you mad. But yeah, life doesn't work like that. Not, not that way or in the reverse. If you're good, it doesn't mean all these good things will happen. Mm-hmm. I think that in general, though, that if the, the control we do have is to live a good life and your life, you know what I mean, goes well. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean disaster doesn't strike. Disaster strikes everyone. Right. And, it, you know, it can be your fault because you make bad decisions or whatever, but, they, it, you know, it, it, it usually isn't. Um, but either way, recovering from it is, you know, um, having faith. So remaining in faith, remaining in your beliefs, there's three components of hope. Faith is hope. You know, having hope, um, you've got to have some goals. You have to have the willpower and energy and determination and you have to have the how-to. Okay. And that's what, mm-hmm. you know, hope gives you a belief that you'll know how. Hope gives you a belief that you'll get through it. You've got to have hope. You yeah, don't want to lose hope. That things will be better, that you can get through this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, what we want to suggest for you is no matter what setbacks come, to say I choose faith, I focus on hope, um, I choose to make the best of the way things turned out. And you can choose to do that for things to turn out well instead of turning out not well. Um, well. I want your heart to say yes to the beckoning of tomorrow and the future and hope for you. Um, and so people who have been very successful through this and have become survivors, the most important things are one of them is to have faith and hope instead of doubt. Right. Okay? Good point. All right. So let's go on to bitterness. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Bitterness is one of the worst words in the whole English language. <laughs> yeah, and it makes you not as resilient. No, it makes you it makes you hard, yeah. Yeah, and if you think of, that's a good word, because if you think of, they talk about resilience being like a rubber band, you mm-hmm. know, that you bounce mm-hmm. back. And so rubber band is a great demonstration. Um, bitterness makes you hard, and if mm-hmm. a rubber band's hard, it'll break, right? Right. And so, um, you know, they, they talk about... Um, one of the signs of the end times, it says in Matthew 24 that people will be easily offended. They won't bounce back. Mm. There won't be forgiveness. They'll just be offended, 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 and they'll get bitter. Mm-hmm. So one of the successful tools is forgiveness, not bitterness. And, and right. um, at a time when you need to operate in the power of God, bitterness just covers that. Bitterness takes that away. Yes, it does. It takes away your power. Mm-hmm. I want to say, too, and when, when talking about this, uh, you know, one thing I've observed is that often um, res- bitterness kind of comes from resentment, from, from uh, a kind of chronic residual resentment that, that people have sometimes towards other folks or towards circumstances that take place. And like the guy said, you know, when we are resentful and we resent someone, uh, it's like taking poison and hoping the other guy's going to die. You know, yeah. So it just eats us up on the inside, but that produces bitterness, which right. leads to this hardness that we have. Well, I think people think if they stay angry at somebody, they're punishing that person. Yeah, yeah. But Oprah said, I remember Oprah saying <laughs> that she had so much bitterness towards this person for years. I mean, just years and years. And that, and, and she believed she was punishing this person. Right. And she said, until I was driving down Rodeo Drive one day, and they were walking into a very expensive jewelry store just laughing with all their friends. <laughs> and she realized that they weren't affected at all. Right. right. And that bitterness and resentment, had it had been on her mind every day. So it had affected Oprah. It made her sick. <laughs> Not her friend. Yeah. Right. So she decided that that moment, 
to forgive. And it takes all that other per- all that power from that person away. You yeah. know, it it makes you live again. Right. Because they are not affected by your bitterness. You are affected. Yeah. And, and, uh, right. and even if you're bitter at God, I mean, and somebody tells me they don't believe in God, I know they're very angry at God. I totally get that. I understand being angry at God. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's denial versus reality, in my opinion. You know, it's not facing reality. They don't want to live by what, you know, any kind of authority. They don't want any kind of authority over them. They want to make up their own rules. Well, I'm, yeah, well, I wish that was true. I wish we could do that. I, you know, I'd love to make up my own rules about tornadoes. Yeah, to be I, able to direct sure. them where I want them to go. If right. I want to clear land, direct them to where there's trees and let them just wipe out that acre for me, that would be very helpful. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be so that? cool. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that's not how life works. And so um, that's just my opinion. Okay. So that's the bitterness versus forgiveness. Um, how about the guilt versus self-forgiveness? Because forgiveness of other people that, you know, takes the anger and bitterness away. There are so many clients we have that have not forgiven themselves, and they live in this guilt. That's true. That, that we, we do kind of tend to do that, don't we? I, I, and uh, I've even had to be, develop an awareness about this in my own life. You know, we, we can forgive other people, but we have such a hard time forgiving ourselves for mistakes that we make, uh, for, uh, for, for things that we have done. Maybe we've sinned against someone else in the past, and it could be a long past back, yeah, long you know? Past. And yet uh, we have a hard time allowing ourselves freedom, you know, from that. We, we keep ourselves in bondage sometimes. And the more perfectionist the person is, the more self-discipline, the more, um, I don't really honestly, the more successful they are in some ways, the harder they, am on, uh, they are on themselves. And so we, when we do coaching and they're going to the retreat, which is a very important time in coaching when they go on their retreat and they go stay somewhere like a cabin or spa or somewhere. Um, The work that they're doing there, we determine that by asking them, is your anger at yourself or is your anger at others? And it's really 50-50. And I was surprised how many people, because I was more, I think I tended to turn mine inward more and then eventually uh, started going outward, neither, you know, not in an unhealthy way. But you, I know, tend to go inward mm-hmm. with yours. And so guilt, ongoing guilt doesn't help you. Um, self-forgiveness is very important because if it's, if it's not forgiveness and it's anger and bitterness, disappointment, whatever you want to call that, frustration, it builds and it builds and it builds and it makes you sick. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help you. It doesn't help you. You just mulk as a, you know, you're mad at yourself, so who's the victim there? You become the victim again. Right. You're not taking action to move forward because you're distracted by guilting, telling yourself how terrible you are or you don't deserve it or whatever, which isn't true. Um, just moving forward. Um, and when people get mucked up in guilt, I know the other one is isolation versus connection. Mm-hmm. That's number seven. Right. They tend to isolate themselves. Yeah, it's a way of protecting ourselves. We isolate, we, and we do that in so many different ways. You know, um, Elijah in the scriptures went into a cave and he just sat there because things were so bad in Israel. And he was scared for his life. He thought he was going to die. And God says, Elijah. What are you doing in there? Yeah. Get out of there, you know. And 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 so some, we need to move move out into uh, the, connection with yeah, people. Connection yeah. with people. Connection with God. And I might say too, as I was I was thinking as you were talking about uh, the, the previous issue, the the bitterness thing that, uh, or the guilt thing rather, that uh, often the answer to guilt and getting rid of that is disclosure. If I can tell somebody about what I feel like I've done wrong, or if I, if I can disclose that, if I can talk about it, if I can write about it, if I can pray about it, those are means of disclosure. And when that happens, 
we tend to, the, the guilt tends to dissolve. So you would say getting the anger out towards other people and, and also getting the guilt out. So just getting the emotions out. Again, write them out, sing them out, dance them out, yell them out. <laughs> but yeah. when you get them out, especially with other people, they can help you put it in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's one of the best healing mechanisms we have is to disclose what we're feeling badly about. Yeah. Yeah. And connecting with, it's funny, I hadn't thought about the connection with God. I don't know mm -hmm. why I didn't mention that. But yeah, connection with other people, you can isolate and connect with God, but you still will wilt away because we're made for connection. God made us for connection with other people. And um, people, what will bring you through this, being out, not being alone. You don't want to be alone. Right. And uh, I know in my times I had friends just come over. They just mm -hmm. show up all the time. Like, mm -hmm. no, you don't need to lay there. No, you don't need to sit out on the back porch all day long and stare up at this guy. You need to be with us. You need to go do something. And I was like, no, I don't. They go, yes, you do. And I thought they were so annoying. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for them, right. you know. And you. You did that, too. You helped me tremendously. Um, and so depression versus grief. Okay, I think that, you know, you can just stay in that deep, deep, deep sadness, and mm -hmm. that prevents you from grieving through the loss. I mean, there's a stages to grief that you go through, and mm -hmm. sadness and anger are very much a part of that. I mean, you do go into shock, and then you go in and out of anger and sadness. Really, whichever one you're more comfortable with, right? Just like guilt or anger at other people, whichever one you're more comfortable with. Right. Um, and so you go through that, but eventually you get to acceptance. You know, it seems to me that uh, I agree with that. I think that self-acceptance is such a huge thing towards moving on. But as if you deal well with guilt and isolation, then that's going to help you move from depression into um, uh, just grieving the loss. Better, better with it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and grief, you know, as you move through it within nine months, you're so much better. If you're letting the grief happen, if you're letting the sadness, and you're letting the anger, and you just let it be, and you don't try to stuff that, you right. don't try to cover it, you just let it be then you will work through that. But also you backslide. People, oh, I felt fine last week and now I've backslid. No, 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 that's how the body works. You go in and you go out and you yeah. go in and you go out. It's process. Yeah. Yes. The longer you can feel the pain, the better you're doing because you're moving through it. And um, But you don't want to get stuck. If you get stuck, get help. Don't get stuck yeah. in depression or anger. Um, how about avoidance versus courage? Because I know I got to the point that I was, my, and I had never been that way. I became kind of an avoider of conflict, an avoider of hard things, even answering the phone at time. I just got to the point I didn't answer the phone mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. I did for work, but nothing else. Right. And I was, I was raised in an environment where it led me to uh, avoid conflict at almost any cost. And I've had to really work out of that. So I've tended to avoid rather than to have the courage to do what needed to be done. I have not been a risk taker. That's come recently with me. And so I, I think it's important to think about that. Well, and you know the destruction of that. Yeah, avoiding. yeah I sure do. Mm -hmm. And um, so the, that can make you a victim. You right. can become a victim by avoiding and more losses by avoiding. Right. So take courage and face it. And let's yeah, do something. Yes, it. because courage doesn't mean you're not afraid, but you do it oh, anyway. Right, and so right. we've done that. Powerless versus purpose. We don't want you powerless. We want you to have a purpose. And so taking the bad that's happened, the tragedy, the tornadoes in life, and you give it purpose. You turn it into a good and developing a purpose and get people to help you do that. Right now, everyone is helping everyone else, and that's a wonderful purpose. We um, wanted to mention to you the Garland and Rowlett are having um, – Actually, fundraisers, any kind of thing, if you can volunteer, and this is in Texas. Mm -hmm. And so 
um, there is a website, or you can just Google it, where you can go and, and help out either with money or your time. And um, it is, I can't remember the name, rowlettgarland.org or rowlettrecovery.org. Okay. Um, and uh, so we just really encourage you to do that, to um, just help out. If you can go online and just give, if you are around to go help, just go to the city hall in those cities and offer to volunteer um, to help with people, open your homes, people that need homes. And so um, thank you so much, Dr. Slaughter. Helping people know how to remove the emotional debris from tornadoes in life, natural disasters, and uh, relationship disasters life throws at you. And so we hope this helps you in this new year. We love having you here for the new year. Um, We want you to live well, and we thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Dr. Slaughter. Have a great year. Take care. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.